Hello, this is Fam Electric Ghost, and this is our podcast where we talk about our music, and we also interview bands. The last interview we did was with the Swedish band Psychopets. It's actually a duo. Now, we're actually going to talk about our own Fam Electric Ghost music, which we um, are uh, is known as a doll-less producer. Uh, we use hardware synths and hardware recorders like the Zoom R24 in direct recording for all of our hardware synths like Junos from Roland and Moog, Grandmothers and Mother 32s. So we got a combination of Eurorack and digital synthesis like OPZs and uh, System 1Ms, JDXIs, but also Arturia, Mini Brutes, uh, Moog, Mother 32s, Moog, Grandmothers, and make noise math module make noise um, morphogene sampler so we've embraced sampling but we do it in a little bit different way of a different way we're more of a found sound or actually you know sampling ourselves uh, rather than sampling other people's music and so we've created this kind of hybrid of electronic music a punk attitude a little rock and roll that we call expansive sound this episode, Seamless Unseen Mysteries, is going to talk about some of that type of music. We also would like to implore our, our fans, we've reached over 30,000 listeners, to actually become a supporter of the show at 99 cents per month through Anchor FM. That's $12 a year, or you can do an immediate donation through PayPal Me, where also you can donate to Family Electric Ghost through our, our PayPal Me on our SoundCloud if you go to Fan Electric Ghost on SoundCloud, you can hit the PayPal Me button to help us support free interviews with artists all over the world. We do hour-long interviews with those bands. If you enjoy listening to those interviews uh, more than listening to me talk about my own music, please support us. So we don't charge we don't charge those artists anything for that. And then, you know, the PayPal Me is immediate. The Anchor FM is more of a subscription, so we get that added away. Um, the other thing we're going to talk about is, is synthesizer technology, uh, and we'll talk about what we think about uh, the new uh, Roland Groovebox, which is the Reverse Lab MV1, and we'll talk about that. So one of the things uh, we'd like to do from the beginning of the Ghost to do these kind of rocked out punk aesthetic uh, exercises, we are uh, fans of bands like Joy Division, uh, the replacements, Paul Westerberg and the replacements, um, the Ramones, fans like Who's Could Do on SST, Black Flag, you know, REM. It's kind of indie pop or indie pre-grunge. You know, the Who's Could Do was the pre-grunge grunge band. Um, the replacements were uh, a punk band that actually evolved into Beatlesque. You know, Paul Westerberg is a great songwriter. He uh, maybe didn't want to be as successful, kind of trying to follow the path of Alex Chilton and Big Star, uh, somewhat self-destructive, but a great songwriter uh, putting together, you know, the, the albums are like Tim, Let It Be, and um, uh, Pleased to Meet Me. You know, it was like a trio of really awesome albums that affected my songwriting. So Seamless Unseen Mystery, it's got Josephine Electric, my alter ego, created through Synthesis, uh, via a VT3, in this case, vocal transformer. We like to use the VT3 uh, in some cases because of its um, scatter capability. 
which they've uh, neglected to put on the VT4, which I don't know why. Uh, it's on the MX1 performance mixer and it's on the VT3, but then they took it off the VT4. But on the VT4 vocal transformer, they added polyphonic capability uh, and a harmonizer um, and, and just more capability and a smaller package that's battery powered. Uh, so we go back and forth between the VT3 and VT4 for different types of things. We're always playing with Josephine's voice uh, to kind of tweak it. We kind of pitch it up or pitch it down or add different effects to it. In this particular song, we're using our, our, our trusty uh, duo of the JDXI hybrid analog synthesizer, which uses um, the ability to do um, uh, the, the type of... Uh, uh, supernatural sounds that Roland's known for with analog capability. And we use that to actually, the built-in drum machines that are in it, kind of like what Roland's done with their groove boxes. It's got a bunch of built-in drum machines. It's got 808s, 909s, 727s. All the famous drum machines are in it. Uh, it is limited in its initial implementation. If you just use a JDXI, you can't really build a whole song. But if you connect it to a sequencer like the BeatStep Pro, then you can chain pattern and do almost what you do. Because the BeatStep Pro basically lets you do a TR-step recording capability. Um, so you can extend it and then chain pattern it into song structures. And we've been doing that since 2016 manually. And then when they added the update to do chain patterns, we've been doing that ever since. Um, and it's been our go-to sequencer. It's our primary sequencer. We have a sequencer. And... Um, a couple of sequencers. Um, there's one inside of the, the JDXI, as we already talked about. We don't use that as much. We there, There's a sequencer in the grandmother, which we use a lot. The sequencer within the the drummer from another mother from Moog, we use that. It's only an eight step. Um, but there is an awesome sequencer on the Arturia Beats that Pro, which we use uh, consistently. Uh, and it's, that's kind of like the mechanics of what we do. But the, the kind of attitude, again, in this song, it's got a punk aesthetic. It's got a, what we actually did is we took a rolling piano. And on the Juno GI we've talked about, one of the cool things about that synth that's kind of old in the tooth is, is the fact that it's got the Boss Stomp boxes, which maybe people don't realize, but Boss is actually a subsidiary of Roland. And this particular Roland synth has the ability to do partials, partial sounds up to four to create a tone. And then it also has uh, boss chain effects that you can just make part of the sound. And they've got a lot of stomp boxes, you know, delays, distortion pedals, fuzz boxes, uh, you know, choruses, uh, anything you'd want to make it. And it's got some built-in guitars that are, take advantage of that. And when you actually go and look at the mapping for the structure of these songs, you find out that you can actually add these effects to any tone. And when we actually added it to a grand piano and we created this kind of tone that you hear in this song, which is not based on the, on the guitar source um, pat, patches, it's based on a piano patch. So we've kind of, kind of got a little Hammond B3, you know, Leslie type of thing going on. But um, we used it and we, we came up with the groove. We kind of do a stream of consciousness type of recording where we got these kind of ideas informed by bands like Huskadoo and Black Flag and, uh, you know, Bajo Surfers and bands like that. Plus, you know, um, we just got into it and, and we came up with this idea 
of of of, of mixing like sexual innuendo with uh, the concept of a mystery and uh, this idea that Josephine's very very like a type uh, sexually aggressive dominatrix. That's who she is, and that she's like you know just wants to get the sex from someone and then put that sex into them and then sex put it into her and she's just into this mutual satisfaction situation where it just explodes <laughs> into uh, yeah, total ecstasy and that's kind of what she's all about and then we have the song little death of the soul and we we play with the idea little death it's a romantic poet thing we are big fans of william blake big fans of of uh, Tennyson, Lord Byron, these are the romantic poets, and they used to kind of layer or or hide um, their eroticism with language, like Little Death, which actually is just a synonym for an orgasm, and it's a, a good way to kind of throw that into a song and not make it readily apparent about what it's about. And uh, we've been playing with a lot of sexuality in these songs because we get kind of go there and whether that makes you feel a little um cagey about what we're doing that's fine we understand some people are sensitive to that and done till you're done is another kind of sexual uh aspect song of a uh, josephine's overall personality which is very interesting because sometimes she just gets out there and is this really um you know hypersexual and other times she's remorseful or plaintive or thinking about the situation and maybe she should live with a little more um, clarity and understanding of uh you know just have a real relationship just not a sexual relationship not that sexual relationship isn't real but maybe it doesn't satisfy you at the end of the day that you find out that you're actually still got a void because it didn't you know that that sex session didn't actually satisfy your soul and so and then we get into what we always want to get into, which is PEM, which is political electronic music from the day one of the ghost. We were kind of prophetic. We wrote the title track to something wicked, had the line, something wicked this way comes, T-R-U-M-P. And it basically was a song about xenophobia and the dangers of a person like uh, demag demagogue, uh, like uh, Donald Trump. And we did it before he was elected. In 2016, we wrote about it early 2016, and it became um, true. And uh, the album is um, on Amazon.com as a CD. It's been, yeah, it's been kind of <laughs> run by the scalpers, and it's very expensive to get that hard copy. But the song itself, "Something Wicked," is on all the streaming services. So if you type in "Family Electric Ghost" and you want to hear that track. Type in something wicked, family like a ghost, and you'll hear what we're talking about, which we actually predicted, uh, the danger of Donald Trump. So F that bump stop is this idea, you know, there's a way to convert automatic weapons into um, fully, uh, or semi-automatic weapons into automatic weapons. And basically, we're using the phantom voice, which we don't use all the time, which is still the courtesy of a VT3. We just pitch it down. Um and uh, the Phantom's kind of talking about, well, you know what? It doesn't matter if you make this gun uh, have have something that prevents it from becoming automatic. You know, I'm going to still use these tools to do evil things. It's called Hate Part 2, that, you know, the idea. 
that the Trumper youth are like the Hitler youth and that, 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 you know, the, the violence on the right is not going to get stopped by a rule because they're just going to do whatever we're going to do. We're going to convert these weapons. We're going to, we're going to do whatever we want. And we're going to be what you saw in Washington DC on January 6th, which is a very hateful crowd of, uh, maniacs. Um, and so we kind of go between the sexual and the political in our music, and that's what we do. Uh, and we use a lot of hardware. And, and a lot of young people probably can't build up the hardware I've built up, and that's why they use the DAW. But even the DAW, if you think about it, an urban artist, you know, having to pay for a Mac, you know, two, three thousand dollar Mac, thousand dollar license for stuff, and buy you know a decent microphone, some thousands of dollars, which you might be able to get in the underground economy or however you get it. Um, by working four jobs or something, but Roland has brought back the groove boxes, which, you know, back in the day, the MV boxes and the MC, um, boxes from Roland allowed people to actually create beats kind of like what happened with the MPC from Akai, uh, without having to, um, you know, have a dog. I mean, the whole idea of early hip hop with the 808 and the 909 and the TB303 were these little boxes that. You could hook up as a DJ and actually create hip hop music. The cool thing about the new Versa Lab MV1 is it's got a dedicated vocal track. It's got XLR input for the mic with phantom power. It's got um, an actual mastering capability. Now it's only an eight track machine, seven tracks with a vocal track. Uh, one thing that I don't understand why they did, because on the MC707, uh, they got the ability to bring in CV. Uh, I guess they thought that the urban users wouldn't have any euro racks i think that's a that's a mistake hopefully you know i, I i'm very interested in this machine because of its ability to master and put everything together in a small package but it's like a cb is very concerning just because you know i have a lot of cb gear and now you can get over that because you could get a midi to cb converter box like in my euro rack i could get a midi to cb converter box I could get a module that could take that MIDI signal and convert it to CV and CV to MIDI. So you can get around the fact that it doesn't have that, but then you get to buy another box. It would be cool if Roland had, a, you know, taken the same capability on the 707 and put it on this machine. But I think they thought that the those users wouldn't have your racks. And I don't know if that's correct because there's a lot of people I've seen that are DJs that actually have SEO2s. They've got, you know, 808s. They've got, you know, some Behringer products that are a little mini sense. They not because they make them, they're making them so affordable. So it, it was kind of a misstep because I think all DJs like to take in any capability they can, or more and more are bringing in a lot of hardware sense. And the Eurorack hardware synth is kind of like the new thing. So hopefully Roland will, will solve that or they'll make an extended device, but you don't really need to because you buy something yourself. Um, through the MIDI, you could do it. Um, so that's kind of disappointing. I do like the idea of it. I, I do think Roland needs to build better um, screens on the machines, which they do have. If you take the screen off the Phantom and put it on a machine like that, but then you probably would have hit maybe like a $2,000 machine instead of a 700. So I can understand that, but maybe they can make a professional version of that and actually beef up to 707. And like there are things on this, this 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 um versa lab there aren't on the 707 and there's things on the 707 there aren't on the versa lab to me if they want to compete with a kai 
they need to take the best features of both of those machines and give it a real touchscreen for the Phantom. And we have the full CV integration. So we have, you know, this, if you look at the Phantom, it's got amazing amounts of I.O. That kind of I.O. should have been in this machine. So you basically need to build a groove box with all that kind of I.O., you know, a bunch of USB inputs, a bunch of CV inputs, you know, MIDI in, out, through, uh, XLR out, quarter inch out, and uh, then then you can have a real machine. Because one of the things that, as a hardware synth um, guy is like sometimes I don't want to take my whole studio on the road. And I've been looking at the Akai Force, and now Roland's getting closer and closer to an Akai Force or an MPC-1. But then they're putting it into different boxes, and they're not putting it all together. So Roland needs to take the best of those machines and make it like, you know, MV1 or a, a 707 Plus or something that has everything. Now, people would say, well, the 707 is actually more what you want. And maybe that's true, but it doesn't have the vocal track. And so one of the cool things about the seven, this new Versa Lab is that if you had to go on and do a show, you could just bring this machine with a MIDI controller like, 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 a, like an Arturia um, Key Lab. And you can run a whole show with this thing. Um, and I, you know, I have the vocoders already. Like I have the VT3 and the VT4, and there's a little bit more advanced than what's in this thing. But there's a lot of capability in this thing. I think it actually, you know, in the menu diving, I think it can actually do, from what I can see, a lot of VT3, VT4 type of things. But it might not have everything that I have, like in my JDX. My vocoder is amazing because um, it has the keyboard integrated. And so you can do really cool things with that. And the VT4 has capabilities the VT3 doesn't. So it's typical of Roland and even both. They like to make machines that are very specific. And there's a reason to have it, even though, you know, there's some things that are redundant, but then there's some things that are actually additional that you actually want. Like we said, in the VersaLab, you've got the vocal track, which is missing on the 707. So that's the kind of thing you get. It's the same idea with like the Jupiter X, you know, actually has the plug outs that we saw in the system one, system eight. Then we get to the Phantom, it doesn't have it. The Phantom then is a great machine. It's a great workstation, but you can't get the full emulation of a Jupiter because they want you to buy a Jupiter X. Even though technically the Phantom could have that emulation and I guess they don't want to make it. So there's no reason to get a Jupiter X. But it's like, if you're going to spend almost $4,000 for Phantom 8, you should be able to replicate the Jupiter X, you know, in my opinion. But I understand why they didn't do it, because they want to make you buy a Jupiter X. And the Jupiter X's appeal is it's got the full workflow of a Jupiter, but it's got the polyphony of a modern synth, so you can have, like, four Jupiters, like 32 voices of a Jupiter 8 stacked on top of each other. Or you could take a Jupiter 8 and a 106 and stack them on top of each other. Or you can take an RD piano and stack it on top of a Jupiter 6. I, I get why that you want that. And you can't do that on the Phantom. It doesn't do that. So it's a different thing. It's a different reason why you get it. Um, but people have complained that, that they felt that the System 8 implementation, even though it doesn't match the, the actual visual look of a Jupiter, that they prefer the way it works in some cases, even though it's eight voices. Um, I have, actually have played both machines at Guitar Center. And I would say that the the Phantom is very impressive in what it can do, but the but the System Eight is its own thing. I mean, it's an actual kind of underdog synth. And if if you were out there trying to get a synth before they're out of production, 
I think people are going to want system eights. And if people are kind of silly and they say, oh, they don't like the Darth Vader green look of it, that really doesn't mean anything because it's an actually a very awesome synth. It has a lot of capability. It's kind of like, you know, people say, oh, they don't like what Roland's doing. They don't do analog. This machine sounds so analog, you have a hard time not thinking it is. And it has so much surface control. It's just like my Mo grandmother. It's totally surface controlled. You can do everything you want with the sound and save it and have an awesome sequencer and decent effects. I mean, it's a, it's a really good choice. For many years I've wanted it. Um, with so many sense out since then, you know, like the Prophet 5 and the Prophet 10, and now there's desktop versions of those. Um, you got the UDO Super 6, you got the Phantom 8 and 7, 6. There's a lot of choices out there. You got to make a decision. In terms of our, our actual composition, we could just keep on coming back to a Phantom 7, Phantom 8, just because they got the rolling cloud, they got the sequencer, they got the song construction, they've got the basic ability to master, you know, create a song right on the board. And if you had to go and just have one board to put in your road case, the Phantom 8 can pretty much do it. And because of all of its I.O., I can bring my Eurorack solution, my Arturia 6U, and actually integrate it directly into the machine. Um, and that's pretty powerful. And having our RDB piano for performance and the fact that it actually can kind of seamlessly go from pad to pad or tone to tone on its pad when you go from tone to tone on this machine there's no cutoff it keeps the other one going and so that as a musician as a performance board you know in my opinion it's even more powerful than the jupiter because you could have whole songs built into this thing with the scenes and the sequencer you could have your whole set actually preset you know if you can link it to your DAW, you've got a total performance. If you're a music director, you can just run. And you can see professional bands, you know, bands that maybe you think sold out, or corporatized bands, they use, you know, Kronoses or they use Phantoms because, you know, they can afford them, but they actually allow you to perform. But, you know, in my opinion, I like, you know, I like my Moogs. And I like, um, you know, single purpose type of machines. like my Junos can, I can just get to what I want. And it's, it's, it's not multi-purpose. It's not kind of jack of all trades, but I like the kind of punk aesthetic of my Mo grandmother. Uh, I would always have a grandmother or a matriarch type of thing on stage. And if I could, I would also always have a profit five or 10, just because you want that sound. And then if you're having to play professionally, and you need all those tones to match what's on the record, the Phantoms and the Kronoses are the, the boards you're going to use. But for your own personal um, choices as a musician, what you really love to play may be your Matriarchs and your you know, your 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 Oberheims and your Prophet 5s and 10s. Those, those, as a musician, those boards are just like, you know, historic and uh, have a lot of history and there's a lot of you know love as a musician for those type of instruments. I mean, I totally get enthralled with my grandmother, having been a mini mode fan for many years and not being able to get one, and then being able to get introduced to Moog with the Mother 32, and then the DFAM. The grandmother really just uh, set up that whole thing, and a matriarch. You know, it is always on the list because it is like if you can't get a a, a, a Moog one. 
if you look at a matriarch, it's like the dream synth that Moog has created. And anyone who's ever touched one uh, can know that that synth is like, it's that's it. You know, it can, it can really, you know, make you very happy in terms of what it can do, even though it's just a paraphonic synth and it's just, you know, it's got four oscillators and the LFO can trigger to like a fifth. Um, so you potentially have, you know, five voices of a periphery on this machine and you have a real analog delay, not a digital delay. And it just has that Moog sound and nothing like that. Just like there's nothing like a profit sound. There's nothing like a Moog sound. So we've been pushing multiple people, um, multiple brands, Profit, Moog, um, Roland. And it's kind of what we, as we said, we're a hardware synth um, producer that we we appreciate hardware just the way a guitar player appreciates a custom guitar or a certain model or year of a guitar. You know, that is kind of in synthesis. We are of the, the mind that the hardware synth character and ability and control surfaces are core to how we write our music. Not that you can't do this stuff in a soft synth or a plugin, but having the control surfaces of a Mother 32 or a Grandmother or, or a System 1M or a Eurorack, that's why people buy these things. Is Because when you're a synthesis, you're not just a piano player or an organ player. You use those control surfaces to make your sound, to actually perform. And when you, if you ever watch videos of, um, you know, the synthesis in the 70s and like Edgar Winter on an ARP 2600, you can see that there's a reason why those control surfaces are core to the sound. And it would be very hard to replicate doing that on just a MIDI board and a soft set because you don't have those controls in front of you unless you find a way to put them onto a Naturia Key Lab, you're still not going to have all the controls that are on a Moog. You just won't have it. And so the reason you want the the people want the Profit 5 today is even though the Profit 6 can do more, technically, the spacing out of the control service on a Profit 510 make it easy to make choices and not make missteps when you're controlling the, the workflow on the subtractive synth. Everything's spaced out. Everything's very clear where it is. You don't have too many choices. You have just enough to be able to make the sound and to alter the sound in a way that Keith Emerson or Rick Wakeman does when you watch them on a mini Moog. And that is the core to me of electronic music, the electronic music, not from a DJ, but from a synthesis. Um, and, and there's a difference between an electronic DJ and a synthesis. A synthesis is somebody that understands subtractive synthesis or additive synthesis, or um, basically, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, all the different types of synthesis we have today, including um, the kind of found sound and um, granular synthesis. How to manipulate and create tones, not just play as a producer and map tones. Not that on a on a soft synth you can't design a tone. But I would argue that anything you do on a soft sense, if you get a Moog, if you get a Profit 5, or you get an Oberheim, you will see the difference immediately in your sound uh, and the ability to control that sound and to use it as a musician in your, in your music with the controller, which is the hardware synth itself, is part of that equation 
And when you take the control schema away, you don't have the capability that you have if you had the hardware. Now, there's so much hardware out there. Yeah, I understand you have more choices as a soft synth on your Mac than, or your PC than you do as a synthesis. But part of music, the problem today is having too many choices kind of is um, a problem. If you limit your choices and then you become more of an expert at your limited choices, if you only have a grandmother or you only have your Eurorack, in the current configuration, you're somewhat limited in what you can do. And I was reading an interview with Tennis, which is a band I really love from Colorado. And they were talking about like, you, you know, when you make a choice in music, you limit, okay, on my drum track, I'm gonna use these compressors, I'm gonna use these effects, and I'm gonna, that's what it is, I'm not gonna change it. The limitations drive the song. It, it actually puts you in a, in, a, in a parameter that you have to figure out what you're gonna do and it actually makes it so you can make a decision because you say, you know what, I'm not going to use everything in the world. I'm going to limit myself um, to a certain extent. So we're, we're going to stop now because we're going to run out of time. But um, yeah, remember to donate to the ghost and we'll talk to you later. You see me?
screen and which one make you feel Welcome to 
Mm-hmm. 